Good evening, everybody. We are here with our Q&A session 140, October the 22nd. We got a week, roughly a week, eight days more left before the month ends. We got lots of questions. We just want to thank everyone for the questions. We thank God for this week. We thank God for His mercy, His goodness, His kindness. We thank God for everything. Let everything that is in us praise the Lord. Amen. Thank, Thank you, Father. So this evening, before we start on the Q&A, we will ask the Lord once again for His goodness to rest upon us. Father, this evening we come to you. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, we humble ourselves in thy sight. We acknowledge, Lord, we are nothing without you. Mm. And we also proclaim that we can do all things through you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. Even the answering of the questions, Father, we need the wisdom from above to answer, Lord. We are dependent upon you, Father. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. We commit ourselves, everyone who is listening now and will listen in the days to come, commit everyone into the hands of Lord. We live in absolutely uncertain days. Hmm. But, Lord, we want to keep our eyes Fixed on Christ Jesus. Because, Lord, with you, there is no shadow of turning. There is no confusion with you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vidya. Pastor, the first question is related to money. Money. Uh, This is question number one. It says, does God need my money? Moreover, God has commanded us to give money. There are some people who suppose God does not need our possessions. But is it really true? Job 41.11, Psalm 24.1, Psalm 50.12 and Haggai 2.8, Romans 11.35-36. From these scriptures, we observe that God is a self-sufficient and the creator of all things. Everything depends on him, but he is not dependent on anything. Would you conclude that he does not need our money? I mean, we have to look at it that does God need our money for himself? No. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He doesn't need anything. Okay, But God has created a system in which we operate. Because God doesn't operate in random. Nothing operates in. Nothing God has created operates in random. There are laws established. Yes. There are laws established. And God operates through those laws. And the loss itself is a reflection of who he is. Mm. So you have the earth before the world came in. You have the earth. And the earth operates on certain laws. And you cannot break those laws. If you have to break it, you have to have a higher law that overrules the lesser law. So that's how it works. So then when man comes in and uh, the world began, civilization began, as we want to put it, they are out of the garden and there there is a law set that you will have to work hard mm. by the sweat of your brow and you will face lots of hurdles in the way you will live because of the curse, because you broke the law, you broke a law and the consequences will follow you. That is, the earth will produce a lot of hostility, your workspace will produce a lot of... So these are all laws established by God and mm. then has civilization in this. You see... If you look at uh, the early system in which people, small communities lived, was what we call the barter, barter system. system yes. okay, that's I mean, in the place where I grew up as a child. 
uh, in the beginning, they hardly needed money because their needs were very, very little and they lived very simple lives. So the villages and the little, when they came, the market was once a week. And you could, uh, I mean, people like us uh, who lived there from another country who got a salaries, we used money. But the others often did not need money. Like one person might bring a sack of rice, another may be bringing potatoes, and they would barter. This guy needed rice and this guy needed potatoes, so they have a fixed rate by how it. So that's how life. So what did you need money for was to get things which you needed from another place. Mm. So money was not there so much. And the kings needed revenue. You see, these revenue things, when kingship came in, lords and kings came in, they needed money to support their lifestyle for keeping the standing army. So money came in and money is part of the system in which God has established. Man misuses it. So even in the temple, there was both the barter system Mm. and the money Money system. Okay, They have to bring their peace offerings and this. This is all the produce that is being brought. Sacrifice, the priest love of it. And then the money is also brought over there. So both are there. So when we say whether God wants it or not, for himself, no. If you go to, if I'm right, Psalm 115 and verse 16. Okay, Psalm 115 and verse 116. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. Okay, not that we own it, but he has given it to us during our lifestyle, lifetime. We are here. This earth is given to us. So the thing is that it's not that God needs money. Man needs money. Man needs money. Okay, man needs money. And God uses the money which we need to work his kingdom among us. Among us. Okay, that's, that is, I mean, when we talk about financial prosperity or poverty, what is it? What is it? It is basically a lack. Like now we have so many. Uh, like if you want to look at a system, the first barter kind of a system where you just need the produce of the land. When Elijah goes to Zarephath, she's dying because she does not have food and she does not have food because she does not have the resources to buy food. So God doesn't create money there. What he does is that the bin and the oil does not go empty. So she has enough food for three people to survive. But in the case of the widow in Elisha's story, he what he does is that he increases the supply of the oil and she sells it. Sells it. And then with that she lives through the season. So God uses both systems even today. Even today. Mm. He uses even in Jesus' miracles. When it had to be paid tax, he said, Go fish the first fish there is a coin in its mouth enough for you so he used money to pay the tax but when he came to the feeding of the five thousand he didn't multiply money and say all of you go and buy bread he didn't do that he what was there was bread and fish he multiplied so god uses both these systems to work among us because he has given it to us yes he says the cattle on a thousand hills are his but he also says the gold and silver are his Mm. Both are there. Cattle is basically a kind of the produce of the land. So it's all his. Everything is his. But he has given the earth into the children of men. Like remember a long time ago, you know, not not so long ago, we we looked at this. This is the, this is the fundamental principle on which we need to operate. There is only one owner. 
God is the owner. Mm. Okay, God is the owner. Now we who are believers, Jesus came and showed away. When Jesus came, what, when he says he emptied himself, what he emptied himself is he emptied himself of ownership. Mm. Though he was God. Yes. Equal to God, his honor. He emptied himself of ownership and took the form of a servant. Mm-hmm. So when the when God the Son becomes a servant, he's still son and he's a servant. So what has become is a nature has changed. Mm-hmm. He says, You know, Dad, I am not the owner, I am a steward. steward. So who is a steward? A steward is somebody who's one in the kingdom of God. One he knows who he is. He is the son of God. Or a daughter of God. He's a child of God and is also a servant. He acknowledges there is only one honor and I am the steward. Mm. So when it comes to stewardship is what we are going to be tested. Remember the old messages to stewardship of the soul, yes. the stewardship of our body, the stewardship of our resources, our time, everything. But that is going to work only once we realize there is only one honor. And that is basically fundamentally how Jesus changes the dynamics. Mm. He comes and he says, you know what, I'm showing you a way. Okay, there's only one honor. And that's what it says as a servant. He humbles himself to the Lord. Meaning there's only one honor. I own nothing. You own everything. Therefore, you have the right to tell me what to do with even my life. And he goes on to the cross. So even there on the Garden of Gethsemane, it is a question of ownership. Are you honor or am I the honor? And he says, I am a steward. Father, take this cup away. But I'm making it very clear. You are the honor, not me. Mm-hmm. Not me. So when we get that concepts, we'll understand this thing about money. Yes, to run the system on earth, God needs money. Sometimes he doesn't need money. He uses produce. Mm. Yes. He uses produce. So you will see Jesus uses all these things in his own life. He uses all these things. Money is used throughout. Why did he, why did he need a treasurer if he did not have money? Okay. Why did all these women follow him and supported him through their own means? So it is all there. But the fact is that we need to understand is the fact the honor is God. Mm. So when say, does God need my money? No, for his personal use, God has no need for my money for his personal use at all. But does God require my money to, for his kingdom to function on earth? Yes. yes. He does not need the money for his kingdom to function in heaven. Mm-hmm. No. Gold is pavement over there. Okay, it's, it does. But here, yes. Here, that is what he uses. And that is where it comes. That is exactly what yeah. the first church also mm. understood. Understood. Even the first stewardship. That mm. is the principle which we need to understand. Mm. And that is the, basically judgment will be the judgment of stewardship. Mm. So how did you steward your life? And the only way we will be able to come through it when we get our fundamental doctrine or concept right, I am not an honor. And we find it difficult, but so therefore Jesus came and showed the way. He says, if there was somebody who was an honor, it was not you, I was the honor. Because mm. everything that was created was created by him, through him, for him. And he was the honor. Okay, he was the honor. But as the honor, he humbled himself and said, I'll be a steward of the Father. I am his son, and I am his servant. When you have the sonship, and servanthood coming together, you become a steward. Mm. You get need to get. You become a steward. 
that is a different kind of steward so in the house moses was faithful, faithful as, as a servant. servant he was not a son mm. he didn't understand that but jesus was faithful, faithful as a son mm. as a son that is the faithfulness to which we are looking at because there's a whole lot of difference between faithful as a servant and faithful as a son because the thing when you're faithful as a son at the end of the day you are still looking for your reward in terms as a servant mm-hmm. promotion salary increase whatever what are you looking in terms of a servant so moses also has a dream i will go into the promised land i will have my own plot i will settle retire all those dreams <laughs> are there it's kind of it's, it's, it's okay it's good nothing wrong with that that's a part of it but when you are thinking as a son you're thinking about the father's glory because you're already content with that you're not even thinking about your salary you know that's all been taken care of everything has been factored in by the father what you're looking is that i want to bring my father glory your, your father's glory your father's honor your father's prosperity your father's name all these things are at your list the other things are not that is how the entire um, lord's prayer is put first it doesn't say god mm-hmm. though he is god it begins with this my father mm-hmm my father so it is his son who has become a servant and the servant who knows he is a son my yeah. father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name it is about your name i am not talking about because work is connected a servant is always connected about his name even even moses will finally lose it and says because of you i did not enter he's still worried about his name jesus was never worried about mm-hmm. his name he was worried about his father's name concerned about his father's name hallowed be thy name and then he says thy kingdom come on earth that is the whole thing your kingdom has to come here your will has to be done on earth as it is in heaven how is this your will done in earth in heaven absolute it is your will and i want to bring it down i have no power over the others but i have power over myself okay we always worry about his will being imposed on others we can't do that but we can do it with ourselves mm. i want your will to be done in my life and then the whole thing comes and when when you get that idea i am a son and i am a servant therefore i am a steward you only ask for your daily needs not that you don't plan for your future mm. but you know not like children in the house three children small children he has in his house how is his children <laughs> they don't <Cool>. even cool <laughs> they come and sit for breakfast they come sit for lunch they don't even think about it. they don't worry they all want to know what is there <laughs> they don't worry will it be there that is not there they are curious what is there today that is that is there they don't worry about will it be there so that's not their concern and god says you have to learn that life seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness all these things will be added unto you yeah. everything that we need because because we 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 have to get that very very clear yeah. in this thing yeah. i'm not taking all the other principles that are connected with the kingdom we cannot isolate them yes, like yeah, that. They're all, all this all they're all part together. of a whole yes, okay yes. you yeah. need to think about the future because that's all part of it because yeah. as long as we are living in this temporal world yeah. these are all god has factored okay. all these principles over there but that does not control us Amen. okay we are able to release all of that in an instant when the father says because our assurance comes from our father yes. that's why abraham is able to put isaac on the altar Again, Isaac is his entire sum total of his future. Mm, if you yeah. want to do that, his entire resources, he takes it, <laughs> ties it, and puts it up over there. And then God says no. And then he looks around. He sees the provision is already here. That's when he actually has the revelation. God, Jehovah Jireh, is on Mount Moriah. 
that God, you, you obey God, He will be always be there for you. He will always be there for you. Hallelujah. You know, mm. and you, that's, that's the trust Jesus had. And He says in the Gospel according to John, I know that you always hear me. Because I always yes, do, do what pleases, pleases you. Exactly. Mm. That is the, the relationship between these two yes. things. I know you always hear me because I always hear you. Mm. Okay. Yes, I always hear you. Hear means hear and obey. You always hear me because I always hear. Thank you, Lord. And that is stewardship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And you don't lose by stewardship. Amen. You can never lose by stewardship because... It's not yours. Uh, you it, just want to call me it, for... Yeah, it is... It is uh, Basically, when you steward something as a son, one, you can't lose because ultimately it is yours. Like remember, oh, long long okay. time ago, I asked this question: is not uh, it is not uh, Jehovah Jireh when we say our God, our supplier? The whole question is of faith is not God is my provision, meaning I have access into God's wallet. But that is not the whole problem. The problem is, has God access into your wallet? Mm. <laughs> that is when stewardship comes. That's when. That's where faith comes. So let us let us say, Pastor Vijay goes home tomorrow is Sunday after church, and his car is parked outside, and his children decide, you know what, Daddy is taking a nap. Let's go wash the car and clean the car. Now, let me ask this question. If they wash the car and clean the car, when he comes, takes in the morning, he's very surprised. He says, wow, the car is clean. The car is uh, inside. It's all vacuumed. It's all clean. And do they benefit? Yes, because they travel by the same car. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you can't lose mm -hmm. in any way because Jesus says, you know, I mean, remember the what the prodigal son's father told the elder son, everything that I have is yours. yours. Everything that I have is yours. So we cannot lose because we are living in the same house. <laughs> we are not living in a different life. We are living in the same house. If we do, if we do well taking care of our fathers, God property, benefits, God benefits us. It benefits us. Exactly. It's a win-win. Yeah. You cannot lose in that. That's the whole thing. You cannot. If you do a great job on earth, and as the father said, when we come back, the Bible says the meek inherits the earth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it does not say the father is taking and kicking everybody out and he's living. He says, no, you take it over. Mm -hmm. You take over. Mm -hmm. It's yours. <laughs> I'm just teaching you principles. Mm -hmm. Like if you see like India's second largest company, RIL, uh, the children are all being groomed and he's dividing the huge empire he has. He's given one to his daughter, to the other, to the two sons. What's he doing? He's 64 years old. He built this huge empire called RIL and uh, his wives, because he has learned from experience that when his father died, the two brothers fought like cats and dogs and uh, the almost empire collapsed. The mother had to come in and create peace and divided it into two. So before any of those things happened, I do it. now the whole mm -hmm. thing is that these children were serving the father all these years. Mm -hmm. He sent them to all these business schools, everything and all that. Okay. They said, why should we go to business school? Our father has $60 billion. They didn't say, he said, go study. Mm -hmm. Go study, come back. Now they have studied and come back and has worked under him for so many years. What is he doing there? He's giving them independent charge. You take this. You take this. You take this. So all these years of being a steward, mm. because all his three children were stewards, 
they were sons and daughters, and they were also serving their father. Now they have proved their mettle. What is the father doing? He is giving it to them. Mm. That is exactly what happens to servants who come. He says, Roma, what he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, let charge. me ask you this question. Aren't there servants born again, sons and daughters? Yes. Yes. But he calls them servants. You mm. served me well. Mm. Now, take charge of ten cities. Mm. Take it here. Even more, take it. So that's how we have to look at it. That's where money comes in. Money comes in. Or whatever form it is. Now, if you call about a digital currency, that's also money. Okay, gold is also money. You know, all kind of things happens. All kinds of things happen. So whatever you are using to give to buy or sell a product, whatever you use that, that's that's what we call. And God doesn't need it for himself, but he uses it to run his kingdom on earth. On not in heaven. Not I don't know how it will be in the kingdom to come, but I don't think there will be need for money. Okay, there will be need for money. But right now, post fall. I believe that is when this thing came in. If man hadn't fallen, this kind of economic world system in which we live would not have happened. So we live when Jesus came as a man. He lived in the system that is there under the Roman system. And he paid taxes. He said, give to Caesar what owes to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. He lived under those rules in which it was not a very nice system. He lived in a very oppressive regime. He lived. And he stayed under. But he never forgot who he was. Mm. And he never worried about anything. You will see that he, even in very tight, extremely tight situation he goes through. But he comes through all those situations. And the reason he comes through the situation, he never forgot who he was. He knew he was a son and he knew he was a servant. And when he finishes in the Gospel according to John in chapter 17, in his prayer, he says, Father... I have Glorified finished my work and have brought glory, glory to, to you by the way I have worked. Mm. No. So Jesus uses money. He used money through his ministry. He had a treasurer too to handle it. <laughs> okay. So I mean you don't need a treasurer because offerings were coming in. So you needed somebody to handle it. And there was a person and he used it. But, so but you also need to realize when the feeding of the five thousand, four thousand took place, there was no money. Mm. But he, when, he, when he went to Samaria to meet the woman, he sent them to buy some food. Mm. He didn't multiply. Okay? He sent them to buy food. Send all of them and say, go get some food and come. Then going begging, they went to buy. They went to buy. So there is all these parameters he uses. But when they run out of money, he says, okay, what is that you have? Nobody came and said, we have money. It's a very strange thing. Nobody says we have money. Oh, this says, let us take a free will offering. Nothing is happening. These people are poor people. The disciples also have run out. Nobody has said anything. Nobody. They talk about the what it would cost, six months wages. But it means there is no money there. Mm. I mean, if you have 5,000 men, if each one put in half a day's wages or a quarter day's wages, you could have had with 5,000 people. I mean, Easy mathematically right. possibly. But you need to understand there is nothing there. So he said, what is that you have? And finally looked at one boy has a tiffin. He said, bring it here. And praise, bless us. And he gives them the food. So that is what we need to understand. Whatever happens, God will come through for us. He will come through us if, you are, if we are stewards. But when we are honors, I'm telling you, God backs off. Oh. So there can be only one honor at a time, either you or me. If you are the honor, then I am the servant. Oh. I am the servant. If I am the, I am the owner, then you are the servant. Mm. 
And our prayer will show usually who is the owner and who is the servant. <laughs> That's why Jesus gave us a prayer so that at the end of the prayer we know he is the owner, we are servants. Amen. Yes, Pastor. Pastor, there's a very closely related question. This is question number four. Again, talking about faithfulness and stewardship, etc. True promotion, which is from God, both in this world and that which is to come, is the reward of faithfulness over little things, a few as well as over great and many. And if you have the experience of holiness, you can be faithful. Would you agree with me? See, uh, these are two different facets of God's character. Holiness is a very huge word. You can be holy as I am holy. And uh, see a person, I mean, I mean, if you if you go to, if you go to, let's give you exact scripture, go to Second Kings. And chapter 4 and verse 1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried, to El- cried out to Elisha and said, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slave. Okay, So there is something about this one. He says, my husband, your servant, my husband, he faithfully served him, faithfully served God. Second, he feared the Lord. But was terrible in money matters. Terrible in money matters. You see, you can do only what you know. Okay, Because you're holy, that does not mean finances automatically work or you're faithful. You, you cannot be faithful to something unless you know the concepts of faithfulness in that area. Okay, Holiness does not mean you are faithful. Now, faithful does not mean you are holy. A lot of people who are faithful and they are not holy. There are a lot of people who are holy and they are not faithful. But they don't even know what it is to be faithful to a particular situation. Because let us talk about, no, let's talk about this man, this man himself, okay, this particular man in the sons of the prophet. He's a very God-fearing man. God-fearing man. But he was a terrible steward of his own home. So if you look at him, he's not faithful to his role as a father and a husband. When he dying. He's leaving them bankrupt where his children are going into slavery. into slavery or basically being sold. And his wife is going to be working in somebody's house living. So what, is he a holy man? Yes, he's a holy man. Your servant, my husband, and he feared the Lord. But is he faithful to the fundamental concepts in which how an economy works or how the system works or how a home should work and how a family should function? No, he's no. not. He's not. He's not. So holiness in itself does not make you faithful, and faithful does not make you holy. So there are different concepts in the Word of God when these things, like a man who fears God doesn't necessarily have to love God. These are two different things. Fear the Lord thy God. Fearing God is one thing. Loving God is one thing. There are a lot of children that the elder son feared his father. He never left his house. Neither did he love his father. He didn't even understand the love of the father. There are a lot of children who fear their parents. They do nothing. But there's no love in them. Hmm. And in the marriages also, there are lots of people who fear. But there's no love at all. And there are lots of people who love and there's no fear at all. 
They're very loving. And when they fight, they will say everything under the sun. Okay. There are others who fear. They will never say a word out of turn. But there is no love also. So these things are all over there. So you have to have a whole picture about what is, because why it's important. Why we study God is because only when we study God, we will know what we are supposed to be, because we were made in the image of God. So every facet of God's character matters. Every facet of God's character. And it is it is shown through scripture and above all through Jesus Christ. When Jesus came, he showed to us all that you have heard and seen in so many different people and scripture. If it were all put into a man, how would this man walk? It was Jesus. And that was the thing. You look at Jesus and you look at his. That's why I said the gospels are so important. As much as doctrine is so important, the four gospels are extremely important. Because in the gospels, you see the doctrine being played out in a life. Mm-hmm. And that is very, very important. How he deals with people. His kindness, his compassion, his patience, his long-suffering, how he deals with men, how he deals with women, how he deals with children, how he'll go. You look at it all and you will realize, you know what, this is what God is. And this is what we are called to be because he has come in the flesh. You know, how, 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 I mean, you and also his words, especially Red Letter Bible, is very important because when you go through where he himself has spoken, you should stop. You should stop there because you have to read the whole context. Who is he talking to? What is this situation? And you go through it and you will realize, you know what? So in a situation like this, this is how you are supposed to react. Like, like if you go through the gospel according to John, which is a very special gospel, unlike the other three. You go to the Samaritan woman. Here is a oppressed, battered, bruised wife. How does he deal with her? How does he deal with her? Okay, he's very patient. If you look at it, he goes and sits for hours, waits there for her to come. So you realize when you deal with people like that, you need to have a lot of patience because you don't know what they have gone through. He doesn't compromise the truth at all. But what pours out is mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. And that's what turns her. He tells her exactly what she is, but he does no to one word of condemnation. Because he has not come to condemn. He has come to save. And when we reject his salvation, we condemn ourselves. Mm, yes. God doesn't have to condemn us. We condemn ourselves. So we have to look. We are not. He's never compromising on the truth at any place. Never compromises on the truth. So how he deals with people, even a person like Nicodemus, he's very patient. Okay, he doesn't, uh, he asks this question, aren't you a teacher of Israel? Don't you understand these things? Okay, and he leaves it open. If you look into each of his situations, he never forces people to make a decision. He leaves it to them to make the yep. decision. That's primarily our job. Absolutely. Hmm. Our job. Which we have to give the whole thing out and say, you make the decision so that when you make the decision, you know it is your decision. Your decision. Amen. It has to come from conviction. It has to come from conviction mm. that it is your decision. Because he's dealing with, we're not talking about children here, he's dealing with adults. And even to the point when uh, blind people stop him, or he asks them, what do you want? What do you want? 
Mm. Okay. Morning, I had a session counseling with a couple. And I said, when you go to pray to God, <laughs> you need to be very sure what you want. What do you want? Because when he's walking on earth, when people want to Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. Mercy? Okay. Mercy is a very large word from the beginning of your life to the end. It is mercy. Now, what do you want mercy in? Where do you want it applied? Are you very sure what do you want? What do you want? Okay. What do you want? I said you have to see. People have to see very clearly because people sometimes, you see sometimes, let us say, a church is composed of families. Huh? Individuals in our church who come from non-believing families. Let us say Raj is sitting here and all three other three are bachelors. Raj is sitting here as a family. Okay. Raj is there, his wife Appu and Grace is there. And there is, let us say, there is pressure in the family and there is so much happening and they are fighting and all. They are not. I am just using an example. Okay. And But you need to look down and analyze and see what is causing this tension. What is causing this tension? I will tell you, in most cases, what is caused, causing the tension is usually lack of finances. 90% of the problems. Like I was telling my, my wife, there are families in my church, I know every one of them. I said, no, most of them, if they were to get 10 or 15 or 20,000 rupees extra a month, 95% of their problems will cease. It is just an issue of resources. Otherwise, they are all fine. But there are other families, they have no lack of resources and they have problems. And I said, those problems are very serious because mm. it is not caused by lack of finances. I said, I watch that as a hawk and I pray for that differently. You know why? Their problems are not caused by lack of finances. Their problems are absolutely deep-rooted. Those problems are dangerous. So, you need to know what is causing it. Okay, Lord, this is the issue. He's, he's given us you know, what is called common sense, wisdom. And you go, Lord, you know what? I looked at it, Lord. You know what, Lord? What I need is a better job or a bonus, and most of it. So you look at that as the issue and tackle this issue so that the relationship is never fractured. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Because what you're happening is that because you are allowing that, other yeah. things to fracture the relationship and therefore when you go to God, God says, what do you want? Mm-hmm. And you say, God, I can't stand this woman. I just want her to shut up. God says, that's, that's not, not the problem. problem. That's mm-hmm. not the problem. That's the issue is something else. Mm-hmm. Issue is something else. You mm-hmm. don't know what you want. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you want. Absolutely. Hmm. You're not what you want. That's why he comes and asks people, what is that you want? And if you look at it, most people, but this lack of resources itself is a test to teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, to trust him. Without God says, you know what, that is there. Have you done everything that is right by my word? Yes, it's still there. Yes, he says, you know what? I'm, I'm just test, testing you so that in this process you will still remain faithful to me and you will not fracture relationships. Mm. Fracture relationships. You first, like, like, uh, Elijah said on the mountain, we can only do what he has called us to do. There's something which we cannot do. We cannot bring fire from mm. heaven. 
That's in his hands. We can only do what we are called to do, but the things which he can supply, like great men of God says, what you can do, God will not do. Mm -hmm. But what you cannot do, God will do. Amen. <laughs> God will do. <laughs> so whatever Elijah could do, he did. Mm. Okay. But what Elijah could never do, God did. But he did it after Elijah did. Okay. Now God will supply the widow at Zarephath. She's she's not going to be hungry for the rest of the famine. But she has to do something. She has to do something. She has to take the flour and that oil, mix it together, bake a cake and give it to the prophet first and give him a drink of water too. First you do that. Hmm. You do that, the rest will follow. Hmm. And that is something you can do. doesn't look how terrible your situation is. God is not asking you, even in the most drastic of situation, you to do something you are not able to do. Hmm. That is something you can do. The simple question is, do you have the faith to do it? Yes. Can you do it? Yes. The question is, will you do it? It's a different thing. If you do it, this will happen. Not that this will happen and then, and then you, then you do it. it. No. That is what everybody wants. Elijah says, here, you go to the kitchen, you will see a miracle. You will see the bin flowing with flour and the flask is full of oil. She will say, hallelujah, I'll make you three cakes. That's not what he says. <laughs> you had only for two bread, two loaves, right? Mm -hmm. Or oh, whatever, two bread, mm -hmm. make it into three. <laughs> one for me and one for you and the boy. And then see, and that is where we struggle. When it comes to that, mm -hmm. that, that is where children are very, very cute. Children don't struggle. Usually children don't struggle with faith. That's why father in his divine, this thing with 5,000 men, women, children saw that the tiffin was a boy's. <laughs> give it to me. <laughs> give it to me. Not an issue. That's it. If it had been the hand of a mother, should have hidden it. <laughs> I will feed my boy after everybody has. Okay. Children usually don't have yeah, issues. Yeah, they, don't, they, don't, they don't struggle with Too trust. Much. Unless we put that fear yes, into them. Yes, 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 We have to teach them these things, but we have to teach them to trust God and not cause fear into their hearts. Never fear into their hearts. That's how it works. So holiness and faithfulness are not, these are all part of it. Like holiness and righteousness are not the same. Are not the same. Okay. I would say faithfulness is more part of righteousness than of holiness. Holiness is who God is. Mm. That is his nature. He is mm. holy. There's nothing that is unclean. I mean, it's a it's a word which we will kind kind of understand only when we reach heaven. Yeah. On this earth, to understand what holy is, okay, that's why you see the cry in heaven is yes, holy, 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 and the cry on earth is mercy, mercy, mercy. mercy. Why do we the cry mercy because he is holy? holy. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So the cry in heaven is the cry of holy, 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 and people on earth who understood it. Okay, um, Isaiah's cry is a cry for mercy. Mm -hmm. uh, the day Uzziah died, I saw the heavens open, and he describes that. After that, he says, "It's a cry for mercy." I'm, I am, I am undone. I'm finished. What do you say? I'm over. I'm finished. He has a picture of who God is, the holiness of God, the holiness of God. The problem with us is that I will tell you. The problem we struggle with is this: both with the the religions. And with the political structure, political structure, 
Okay, like we have democratic structures and monarchy, like in constitutional monarchy, like in Britain, the queen passed away. So we saw all the regalia and pageantry and all that. We see all that thing and we say, wow, look at it. Oh, when Prime Minister Modi goes, you have a hundred cards and snipers and every window on there, everything. We look at it, wow. Okay, so we connect that with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so this picture is always there. Though heaven will be like nothing on earth is in comparison to the aura Mm -hmm. of what it is there, but it is all connected to the holiness of God. Mm. Because of who God is, the holiness of God. Now we won't say, look at wow, all the NSG guards and all, Modi (laughs) is holy. We won't say, Kunal Sabbath is holy. We don't say that. But because these pictures are in our mind, in our mind. Because what our religion has done is that when they see their gods, you will see multiple hands, too many weapons, the sun around and all these things. But that's got nothing to do with holiness. Nothing to do with holiness. It is a display of power. It's nothing to do with holiness. But the very fact of God's holiness is God's holiness that destroys. It's his holiness that destroyed. When Nadab and Abihu were offered, what was that? God said, okay, you're offering fire. I will come. And when he came, they died. <laughs> they died. Okay? Because by offering fire, they were inviting his presence. <laughs> Instead, they died. That's why Paul, God tells even Moses, you cannot see my face and love. You cannot. You cannot love. Because you have fallen in sin. <laughs> okay? He says, even up there, the angels who have no sin, they, they cover, cover their face. Mm. They cover their face. Okay? So, even an angel cannot come and tell us who God really is. So, the one who comes and tells who God really is, Jesus. He came from the bosom of the Father who could look at his Father's face because he was as holy as the Father. Mm. So, he comes and tells, this is what my Father is. This, he is holy. He's all that. But don't be afraid. He is a father. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's long suffering. He's kind and he's severe. Mm-hmm. He's severe because he's holy. But because he also knows what we are, this he, so he will give you your chances so that nobody <coughs> perishes because God is holy and God is love. Amen. It's two things we have to reconcile. Mix. Mm-hmm. God is love. God is holy. And when it comes together, we see in Jesus Christ. Okay. So that holiness is what causes the fear of God. Amen. And the fact that he his love is what causes us to, to love, love him. him. Mm-hmm. So these two things come. Then it is balanced. You fear him because he is holy. A simple concept about holiness in human terms is that, you know what? It's just like fire. See, it doesn't matter. Even if it's a matchstick fire, when you light a matchstick, or a forest fire, we are careful with fire. Yes. Oh, this is just a matchstick, let me play with it. You don't do play with it. You'll get your fingers burnt. And when it's a forest fire, you run from it. So it doesn't matter whether it's a small little flame, or it is a bonfire, you are very respectful about fire. So God say, I'm holy, keep your distance. Keep your distance. Okay, keep your distance. Or when firefighters approach fire, they don't approach. You have to see their protection gear. gear. So he says, you come 
You come by faith, clothed in my righteousness and approach. That's your only protective gear. You cannot approach me in any other way. You want to come near me? That's the only way you can come. By faith. We go to God by faith. Everything in Hebrews like by faith. What does faith actually do? What does it mean? You have to act, understand the practical application of faith. What does faith actually do? If you are standing before God by faith, you are standing only on the righteousness of God. There is a righteousness that is apart hmm. from the law that comes by faith and faith alone. We we have to get these different things together because I'm going to God by faith. Okay, what does it first do to you if you are going by faith? I'm going by faith. Do you believe only in the righteousness of God alone? That I stand, I am worthy of nothing, only on His righteousness. I have received His mercy and I am covered under His blood. I have no other way of standing. That's the first thing of faith. That is the one that gives us boldness. Otherwise, where will our boldness come from? Nobody had boldness to go before God in the Old Testament. What gives our boldness? Because the righteousness of God we appropriate by faith is our covering and we can stand before God. That is how we approach His holiness. Faithfulness is a different facet of His office. That's a part of stewardship. That's Corinthians 4 2? Yes, 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 4 2. It is required for stewards to be okay. faithful. Mm. Oh, you can put 1 and 2 over there. 1 Corinthians 4. So, yeah, let a man so consider us as the servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. And if you go into Galatians where you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, where the word faith is used, it's actually faithfulness. faithfulness. Yes. It is not the faith we think about as faith. Mm. It is faithfulness. Yes, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, mm. their faithfulness. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. faithfulness. But faith in itself is a gift. Mm. In the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Faith is mentioned. So when we begin our journey with God, the first thing God gives us is the gift of faith. A measure of faith he gives to us. That's a gift. Faithfulness is not a gift. <laughs> it's a fruit. You have to grow and grow, grow. So basically, a person who is faithful, learn to be faithful in little things and little things and little things and then in bigger things and bigger things. It's not that you are faithful in little things or you are unfaithful in big things. No, you begin there. And you learn. You learn. It's like a water rising in a vessel. Slowly from bottom, it keeps on rising, rising. You are putting, bringing faithfulness to every area of your life. And God shows you. That's what he's saying. You are faithful. You are faithful. Mm-hmm. You know? And faithfulness is a huge, huge area. Mm-hmm. Huge area in our, in our life. And that is part of our stewardship. Holiness is part of who God is. So God says, be holy as I am holy. It's a part of being. Faithfulness is part of doing. Ultimately, it becomes part of our nature and the rewards come from that. Mm. So please understand that you can be holy and not be faithful. Okay, faithful. Mm. But you cannot be, you can be faithful and not be holy. Holy. Okay. But ultimately, when faithfulness also gets into every area of your life, it becomes part of your holiness. 
you become more like god yeah it no, becomes okay. so even in holiness there's a concept about faithfulness you bring it like in your prayer life that's a part of what makes you holy your connection with god you have to be faithful mm-hmm. you pray one day you don't pray another day okay part of your holiness is you meditate upon the word of god to understand but if you're not faithful in that <laughs> you will not grow in your holiness mm-hmm. okay so faithfulness that's an application of faithfulness in holiness yes pastor pastor this is, we can change the subject a little more uh, this is a, re- a question number 2 talking about hell two. and final judgment uh, revelation chapter 1 verse 18 hell is torment some have hell in their mind torment about the future keys shows power this is revelation 1:18 talking yeah. about jesus having the keys, keys of life and death Jesus has power over hell and death through Christ we have power over hell and death hell has no power over blood bought children of god after calvary mm-hmm. how do you explain this okay first thing we need to realize is there is hell and hell, uh, let us go to to uh, revelation it's basically talking about he has the hmm? power of uh, yeah. uh, Hades and death yeah. is what, what Revelation one eighteen will say. Yeah, read it faster. Okay. Revelation one eighteen. I am the one who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of Hades and of death. Okay. Okay. Yes. So we are talking about Hades as these are all places. These are all spirits. See you. the spiritual realm is different from the physical realm mm. this is not the same it is different spiritual realm is different it is not made of matter so it is very difficult for us unless you have an encounter into the spiritual realm to understand the spiritual realm solely from the material realm mm. it's not possible to understand yes. it okay yes. so get this picture very clear now going back to the question okay you will see this word okay if you go to yeah hell is torment so hell is a place heaven is a place hell is a spirit in yeah, heaven yeah. is the holy spirit is in everyone mm-hmm. so there is a spirit part of heaven okay? okay hell is also a place the literal place it's also so the thing is that with heaven we associate joy for and pleasures forevermore with hell you associate torment torment mm-hmm. if you go to matthew chapter 8 and verse 9 mm-hmm. okay 89 yeah. 29 29 829 sorry 829 and suddenly they cried out saying what have we to do with you jesus son of god have you come here to torment us before the time these are demon, demons and they know what they are going through <laughs> and they know what torment is reserved for them because in the spiritual realm they already know judgment has been set what is coming okay now if you go to luke chapter 16 and verse 23 16 and 23 this is lazarus sorry this is the rich man and being in torment where in hades in hades he lifted up his eyes and saw abraham afar off and lazarus in his bosom okay and one of his torment he is going through is that he is extremely thirsty thirsty 
hatred, the torment of thirst, the torment of hunger, the torment of loneliness. These things will kill you because suddenly you are in a place where there is no time. You are in a place which is called forever. Where the flames never forever, the worms mm. forever, torment forever. You are in a place. And uh, that is torment. Okay, that is torment. Now, if you go back to the question, you will see there is something interesting is there. You can bring this torment onto earth in your own life. And the way you bring it into your life is through unforgiveness. If you have been being forgiven, if you have been being forgiven, one, you have been being forgiven, and you don't forgive, you start experiencing a little bit of hell. Little bit, not much, a little bit of hell on earth. Hmm. A little bit of hell on earth. You experience torment. That's why people will all be make this statements, heaven and hell are all on earth. No, you will taste both on earth. <laughs> this is true. It's Your true. home is a very peaceful, happy home. It's a taste, peace of heaven on earth. earth. On the other hand, if a home is a miserable home, you are tasting a little of hell on earth. And then when you don't forgive, God says, talks about the tormentors will be released. Mm. Will be released. Okay? And then, when you go into the spiritual realm, you see John the Revelator being taken into heaven. He actually sees and he sees all that glory and the joy and that grand all of heaven. Mm. He sees that. Mm. Apostle Paul also went to heaven. Mm. Okay, In the old covenant you don't see people going into heaven so much. Daniel sees a few visions but he really doesn't go into heaven. John is taken and Paul is taken. So you see a uh, they experience the joy of heaven, the grandeur, the glory of heaven. In the same way, you can also taste hell. That's what happens in the occult. Actually, in the Illuminati, Freemasonry, where they create alter personalities, split, it is a demonic thing. What has happened is they experience the other realm. And those alters can see the demonic realm very clearly and they can see demons all the time watching them. Hmm. They are tormented souls. Wow. They are tormented wow. souls. Therefore, they also believe the lie that there is no heaven. Uh, hell is right here. Hell is right. And they are tormented. Their, their lives are miserable lives. Don't look at outside. They are miserable people. That's why they always have to have something to keep their memories clear. Either you will see, either they are most of them. You don't see them in public. They come only when there are certain occasions, but you rarely see them in public. And they are either all alcoholics or they are on drugs to get through this torment. Get through this torment. Hmm. They cannot survive otherwise. Because we see them in a clip over there, we think this is... A, you don't see them at all. Actually, you never see them. And when they talk, some of them, when they talk, you will see they are high. We'll understand, we ask them why are they high is to get through the torment. torment. But that's not what the kingdom of God is. So when the kingdom of God, he says, he puts it across in, in the spiritual terms. This is what the kingdom of God is. Righteousness, peace, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
So whenever you are upset, you are, let us use that word, tormented. Somehow the kingdom of darkness has entered your soul. Mm. And you need to ask, why are you being tormented? What is that you have done that allowed access for the enemy to come in? Go there, put it right with God. If there's or man involved, put it right, chuck that thing out, seal it with the blood, and the kingdom is restored. So both you experience in your spirit. And there is a man sitting over there in hell and he's tormented. He's tormented. Okay. Well, and the certain things are there, but this has to be functionally be practiced by faith. You cannot just uh, induce it. Like medically, you can induce so many things in a patient. You can even induce a coma, medically induced coma. You can do that also. But spiritually, in the kingdom of God, you can't induce these things. There are certain, what you call, parameters, criteria that has to be met before that will happen. Mm. So, and that's why Jesus says, you see, and that's why Jesus, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer, the fundamental thing he links it into it is forgiveness. Yep. Because we need to, why does he put that as a fundamental thing is that it's because every moment of every day of every human being, we, we are living on the mercy of God. Yes. We can control. It's still mercy. Yes. So because we are living on mercy, mm -hmm. the fact we do not show mercy is abhorrent to God. Oh. And the devil wants us not to show mercy so his kingdom can come in. Mm -hmm. His kingdom can come in. So he is not say he say whatever it is you stand on the truth but you extend mercy you extend mercy because whatever is true about us he still extends mercy okay so he says live in that atmosphere of mercy live in the atmosphere of mercy you're not condoning anything but you're still merciful merciful otherwise what that's the whole Lord's prayer you will see there's only one lock over there. That one law can mess you up. And that is one of the most powerful stories of a good man. A godly, good, righteous man who commits suicide is Ahitophel. And if you look that, he locked himself without it's showing tormented. mercy. Mm. It's tormented soul. It's a tormented soul. It's a tormented soul. So when he does that, you can imagine how he lived all. He's, he's like what we talk about in, we have modern terms, like he's a functional alcoholic. He's a functional addict. And that is how the devil deceives you. People drink. And when they go to work, they're sober and they're fantastic at their work. And they come back evening and they again drink and they're drunk. And they will say, he says, what's the problem? I can handle it. You know what he is? He's just a functional alcoholic. But that's not how he's going to end. That's not how he is going to end. Because he's not going to end like that. He's going to end up like a raving alcoholic one day. But the devil gives you this false impression. I can handle this. I can handle this. I can handle this. See? Because you're looking at, the wife may point to and says, you don't know how you behave like an animal in the evening. He says, but you don't know how I work in my office. That's the deception. My manager has no complaints. He says, I'm the best. I've got the best employee award also. Am I not bringing the money? What's your problem? So he's looking at what he is functional and she is looking at where he is dysfunctional. Mm. And that's how the devil deceives. Devil deceives. And that's where we need to understand. These are how the devil deceives people. And this is where we need to realize that. You cannot 
fool around with this concept called mercy. Because before you can enter into grace, there is something called mercy. If I if I am not forgiven of my sins, then I cannot be saved. There is no, there's right? no hope. There's no hope. Mm. Because the first step is I am forgiven. Yes, yes. And then I enter and then he saves me. Now he says, now that I have forgiven you, forgiven you, I want you to show mercy. So there is this servant who owes his master a million dollars. He comes and says, I can never pay. Go, forgiven. I write here. I owe you. He tore it, threw it away. And when he went out, there was a servant who owed him ten dollars. And he said, pay me. He says, I don't have. He says, threw him in the jail. When the master heard about him, he says, I showed you mercy. Hmm. You didn't show him mercy. He says, throw him into person, hand him over to the, the tormentors. tormentors. That is the word that is used. Hand him over to the tormentors until he has paid every payback. What is he talking about? Until he becomes himself a very merciful person, let him be tormented. So, you are in your misery. So, not people don't reach there, but can reach there. You start forgiving everybody. Each time you start forgiving, 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 the peace of God starts coming in. And when you have forgiven everybody, you are out of your prison. And then you are very grateful to God for your mercy. Very <laughs> grateful to God for your mercy. Okay. That's why Jesus, even in Simon the leper's house, he doesn't he know what kind of, he was thinking. Jesus said, Simon, Simon. Simon, Simon, I came to your house. You didn't wash my feet. You didn't anoint my head. You didn't even give me a kiss. You didn't do anything. From the time I have come here, this woman, she's washed my feet with her tears, she's anointed me, and she has wiped my feet with her hair. He or she who has been forgiven much, loves much, loves much. You see, the mercy of God when we understand is connected to how we love God. We don't understand God's mercy, that's why we don't love Him much. Mm. But the more you understand God's mercy, you cannot really understand God's mercy unless you understand God's holiness. Oh. That's where holiness comes. If you understand God's holiness, we will appreciate his mercy if you realize. Imagine even Moses could not see God's face. When Isaiah saw a, a vision of something about of God in heaven, all he thought he was finished. Okay. And therefore, we need to realize God who is light, surrounds himself in, in darkness. darkness. That's what the Bible says. For whose sake, for creation's sake, you cannot see me and survive. So when we understand God's holiness, we will appreciate his mercy. When we appreciate his mercy, we will love him. Mm. We will love him because we realize I am forgiven. I am forgiven. Okay? Because we need to look at who is forgiving us, not just what, what am I forgiven from? from. Yes. Because we are always looking at what I am forgiven. Oh, I said that and I am forgiven. He said more than that. First, why are you looking horizontal? Look up. You. Look who is forgiving. Against you. <laughs> That's what David understands. Mm, Everybody in the earth has forgiven him. Mm. He's not even looking at horizontally at all. He's looking vertically. He says against you. Against you. Mm. So that's how we have to look at and that's mm. where it begins.
I think, Pastor, yeah. the next question kind of... Well, the hell has no power over mm-hmm. blood-blood mm-hmm. children of God. It, yes. it does. We give it power. We give it power. After Calvary. Not that we go into hell, but mm-hmm. we bring hell into our own lives. Mm-hmm. No. People use that statement. Even within my life is hell. My home is like a hell. <laughs> what do they mean? Is there are fires burning? No, it's torment. It's in your soul. It's in your soul. No? So after Calvary, yes, this is how we have to work. You have you have to balance this both. We are not condoning anything. We are not. We cannot condone anything which God does not condone. Yet God has called us to live a life of mercy, and only through the Spirit you can balance this both. You don't condone. Yet you are merciful. And that is how Jesus walked. The way he walked. And he was upset, upset with the Pharisees. You know what he was upset with the Pharisees? Because they were the most unmerciful people on earth. Yet he said, do what they do. (laughs) Very good with the the things of the law. (laughs) But what was he upset with them? They were absolutely unmerciful. Unmerciful. It's not that they did not keep the law. They kept it. They went no. When it comes to grace, God says, go the extra mile. They went extra mile on the law. <laughs> on the extra mile, they went on the law. But what was the law basically all about? You see, the simple thing is that you need to understand. In Exodus 20, when the Ten Commandments are given, it's an interesting thing about Exodus 20. That's where the Ten Commandments are given. Let's go to Exodus 20. Okay. It basically to human people, humans, a picture of what? Whose God's holiness is. Okay. So the people saw all that fire and they all stood stood far away and God spoke to Moses. And then you come to twenty, verse twenty two, after it is finished. Okay, verse twenty two. 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make anything to be with me, gods of silver or gods of gold, you shall not make for yourself. What shall you make? This. An altar of earth you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. Every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. And then he says in verse 25, If you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone. For if you use your stool on it, you have profaned it. Nor shall you go up the steps to my altar that your nakedness may not be exposed on it. Funny thing is, after giving the Ten Commandments, what he ends up is with an altar. Altar. (laughs) He says, I'm giving it to you, but I also know that you cannot keep it. it. Hmm. You cannot keep it. So you will need an altar. You will need a sacrifice. Even as I'm giving you the law, I'm telling you, none of you can keep it. None of you can keep it. So, who is God? Who is man? God is a God of holiness. And who is God? God is a God of mercy. And where do you see this? Both you see it on Calvary. You see it on Calvary. And when you get that picture, we have to put it at the end. People read chapter 20 of Exodus and they talk about the Ten Commandments. They don't see how it ends. Mm. It ends with an altar ends with an altar. What is the altar signifying? I need the mercy of God every day. And that sacrifice is Jesus. Sacrifice is Jesus. And one thing he says is that do not be like the pagans. They have their altars and they have many steps to the altar. Many steps to the altar. When you go up there, you will expose your nakedness. 
is a spiritual truth. The fact is that he says there are no steps. There's only on plain ground. It is the cross. There are not five steps to salvation. Six days is only one step. You come to the foot of the cross. That's it. There are no steps. Hmm. You try to come by your own works. All I will do is that I will expose your nakedness. Mm -hmm. I will expose you who you are. But you come based on the blood of my son. You will be covered. Mm. You will be covered. There are no steps. Don't use any human instrument on that. Salvation will always be the work of God and God alone. Mm. If you make an altar... That's Don't it. build it on hewn stone. Hewn stones where man's hand has worked on it. If or if you use your tool on it, mm. you have profaned it. Bah. That is that is why man is saved by grace and grace alone, alone. and not by works. Amen. The minute you bring a work to the act of salvation, you have profaned it. Yes. You are saved by an act of God. And the works are after that. Mm. After that. After that, it's a soup, soul, sovereign act of God. So all you can do is that look unto the cross and cry out for mercy. And God says, heard, forgiven, saved. Now you are my child. If you believe in your heart and confess with the mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that he was raised. That is, there is nothing you do that saves you. Your salvation is entirely based yes. on the work of God. And that's mercy. That is mercy. And if you are a merciful person, you know mercy. There are two things connected with torment. One is with God. You don't go to God and put things right. Okay, that's one thing. Second thing is that you don't show mercy to this side. These two things invite hell into your life. Mm. Hell into your life. Hell into your life. Okay. That's what David is saying. When I did not Acknowledge <laughs> it was hell on earth for me. I couldn't sleep. My hand was bones there waste. Your hand was heavy on mm. me. Where can I hide from you? When I go to hell also, you come there. When I go there, there can I? Bones are wasting. Because that's a man who knows God. Now he's not talking about man. He's talking about God. <laughs> okay. So you put that right with God. Sometimes you put that right with God. You're okay with God, but you're not okay here. Okay, so what is happening? You have invited hell again, torment again. So God says, put that right. Put that right. And it's a personal thing. It's a personal thing. You're not waiting for the other person. You have chosen yourself because you want to live in an atmosphere where there is peace. That's the kingdom of God. First thing is peace. The second thing is joy. Joy is something else. It's not the same thing as peace. But peace is the first thing. Joy, again, is connected with certain other principles. You can have peace on certain other principles. You can have joy on certain other principles. Mm. They are not the same. Just because you have peace, joy doesn't come. For joy, certain other laws of the kingdom has to be. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. So mm. for joy to come, the spirit of heaviness have to live. For the spirit of heaviness have to live, the garment of praise has to be put. Mm. So you can be absolutely sure, wherever he's in prison, Paul is singing. Mm -hmm. But he has peace because he has nothing against God and nothing, nothing against, against man. He has peace. But if joy has to come, you have to follow another principle. That is how it works. That is mm. how it works. That is why I said now you have to see, like I think we saw it on Friday, you have to see how the old covenant and the new covenant comes together only when you understand 
the new covenant meaning uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise first you go through the gates to enter into the courts why does god says to give thanks always what is thanksgiving actually connected with is connected with mercy you have turned mercy yes mercy i am I'm experienced God's mercy. Why? Because I'm alive. Mm-hmm. I've experienced God's mercy. Wow. So thanksgiving is a response to God's mercy. When you enter into his courts, your experience is grace, his power. And grace responds is praise. Hmm. I stand by faith in the grace of God. I'm not only I'm merciful, I'm also a child of God. You know what that is grace. You're saved by grace. You're not saved by mercy. You're forgiven by mercy and yes, you're saved, saved by, by grace. grace. You can be forgiven. And still not saved. And still not saved. saved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Yes. Do you believe it that Jesus rose on the third day? No, I'm not very sure about that. Okay. The Jews all went and they cried, offered their sacrifice and cried for mercy. They received mercy. But do you believe in my son? No, we don't believe in your son. Forgiven, not saved. <laughs> Forgiven is one thing. To be saved is the next step. But you cannot be saved unless you are forgiven. So repentance is connected with forgiving. Mercy. That is my thanksgiving. I am am forgiven. So you go with thanksgiving. But praise is a response to grace. You know. So we need to have this both. And you know what? It doesn't matter where you are. Like Paul, you are in a dungeon. Stinky, rotten, Roman dungeon. In chains, it becomes heaven. Mm. Okay, or in Philippi, they are locked in, and the legs in stalls, backs beaten, bruised, bleeding, and they are singing. And the Bible says everybody is listening because into that hell hole they brought heaven. Mm. And literally God came into their presence. Yeah. And the whole place is shaking. Okay, what did they do? They brought heaven there. How did they bring the heaven there? They have nothing against people who beat them up. They have nothing against anybody. And they are rejoicing in God. And God's presence comes over there. Okay, so certain Parameters have to be met in the kingdom of God to bring heaven down. Amen. It's easier to bring hell down than heaven down. Amen. <laughs> because hell comes to us naturally, <laughs> the old man. <laughs> okay, but the new man brings heaven. Okay, new man brings heaven. And we have to, once you have the knowledge of how things are, we have to choose those ways. We have to daily choose those ways. We cannot run from it. You run from it. You will realize. Let me tell you. Let me say uh, in physical terms and spiritual terms. Let us say I have a physical ailment Mm. and I have a worry. I have a problem I'm worrying about. If I book a ticket to London and I go to London, do I leave my sickness behind? Mm. No, I just look it to London. And I just realize that I have taken my worry also to London. <laughs> See, you cannot run away from these things. People try all kind of things to run away, to hide, to drown themselves. It simply will not work. You find mercy where exactly you are. You find mercy. You go to God. It's to man. You will have to go to man where he is. So the prodigal son would found mercy with God right in the pen. But to receive it and experience it on earth, he had to go to his father. Hmm. Go to his father. So that's how it works. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Amen. Pastor, this this next question I think will be interesting because it's again on the same lines. Is this a guy who was kicking against the goats? Maybe he was being tormented. This is question number three. This is uh, the conversion of Apostle Paul. 
It is hard for you to kick against the goats. What were these goats from which Saul was seeking vainly to escape? Where okay. <laughs> well, no. the sharp goats of God's okay. word? <laughs> beautiful question. <laughs> it is a beautiful question. Okay. We have these things being played over and over again in the Bible. Okay. And now, go to Acts chapter 7. We'll read from verse 54 to 60. Okay. This is Stephen. He <laughs> preached this message. Okay. Preached this message. He preached an unbelievable message where we have revelation of the Old Testament, Abraham's life also from Stephen. Okay. And the Sanhedrin is listening. And that courtroom where this was going on, I'm absolutely sure Paul was sitting there. He was there in that audience. Mm. Apostle Paul, who was called Saul, is sitting there. Mm -hmm. So when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, (laughs) gazed into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And said, look, I see heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped the ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man called Saul. Mm. He's a witness to it all. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And verse 60. He knelt down, cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. I'm telling you. This is ringing in Saul's ears for days and weeks. At the age of 17, when Joseph was a young man, his brothers put him into a well, then pulled him out and sold him. 13 years later, 13 years later, he is governor of Egypt. 7 years of famine, sorry, plenty, 20 years. First year of famine, second year of famine, let us give them two years, 22 years later, when they are out on the way back and find the gold, they are shaking and they are worried and they are saying, do you remember the cry of our brother? Has it gone? No, these are the goats God uses to bring you to repentance. These are the goats. And it is so many goats are there. One, he thought he was blameless under the law. Wow. But the fact is that he had never seen the power of God in a man like this. Mm-hmm. What he wanted, he saw in what he hated. Mm-hmm. He saw that in Stephen. That's what he wanted. That's when Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the night. Mm-hmm. He's a teacher of the law, blameless according to the law. He says, but Lord, we know you are from God. And the simple question is, then who are you from? <laughs> Who are you from? Sanhedrin is supposed to represent God. <laughs> Who are you from? Because this both can't be true. If you are from God and I am from God, there will be something. And I realize it. <laughs> That's why he came. Okay. Question. This is said. You see, unless you are born from above. Okay. So these are the gods. Okay. These are the gods. That is no. That's what the Bible says. To one set of people, we are the aroma of death. To the others, <laughs> we are the aroma. So what happens is, that is what is goading him. But he's, and what happens first, that ki- creates frustration and anger. 
all you want to is to shut that voice so that it doesn't doesn't see so bother your conscience bother yeah. your conscience mm. you need to realize it depends upon power mm. upon power if you have a if you have a power in your hands when people are bothered tormented by that what they do is they, they try to shut that voice out physically stone a person put them in prison and all but when you are tormented the same way but you don't have the power you just go into depression discouragement get drunk or you just sleep both are reactions of the same spirit mm. only thing in one case you have power so you are shutting this voice here you are shutting that voice in your own soul but whenever you are awake you are tormented you are suicidal because these things are goading you the answer for this man who is depressed or the man who is oppressed mm-hmm. is the same go to christ deal with the issue so jesus is saying how long will you i saw you Okay, you said, you know, so now you're well t- taking it out on all my people. <laughs> you are with letters of authority, you're dragging and putting women and children and all into prison. How long? How long will you continue like this? Hmm. Okay. He says, you're persecuting me. You look at that whole portion yeah, we're talking about nine. in chapter 9. The uh, the conversation between Jesus and uh, Apostle, Paul. Apostle Paul is very interesting. It's a very deep conversation. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. He's not basically what is he trying to do? He's not leaving anybody alone because he's so tormented. He has to shut that voice in his soul, and the only way you can do is by by taking violence at the people who's causing this. Ask letters from him to the synagogue. So meaning he's finished, uh, finished, uh, what you call it, Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. His witness is finished. Now he's going to Syria. <laughs> uttermost parts. It's <laughs> a different kind of witness. Okay. Uttermost parts. Okay. So that if he found any who were off the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came and the sun. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's it. Are you persecuting me? And he says, persecuting you? Mm. He said, who are you, Lord? Mm. Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Verse 7. When the men who journeyed with them stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. The men who were with them, they were speechless, they saw no one. They heard a sound or a voice. They understood nothing. You know why? Because there were no goats pricking them. Yeah. Nothing was pricking them. They have neither done good nor bad. So God couldn't speak to them. Cornelius did good, so God spoke to them. There are people who are just, what do you call that? In Existing, the, floating. A floating people. <laughs> no? They're floating like uh, this. You put thermocol in water. No? They're just floating like that. And God is waiting for them to do at least <laughs> one good thing or one bad thing where he can speak to them. <laughs> so they are looking, this thing is repeated again in, the, in his memory. He will always talk about this group was with them. <laughs> 26. Okay. You don't have to go. Okay, we don't have to go there. You look at this, no? So the thing is that it is interesting. Okay. That is why Jesus said, I have come for the sinners. Mm-hmm. This guy is a sinner now. No, he's he's a sinner. tormented by what he has done. And God tells him, you're kicking against the gods. Okay. 
working against the gods. And the next thing you see is that he turns around. And then when he comes to epistle in Philippians, he will talk about who he was mm. under the law. And when you read Romans 7, he says how he was miserable under the law. It was just the outside facade, but inside he was a wretched man that I was. The things which I want to do, I never do. The things which I shouldn't do, I do a wretched man. And that encounter changed him. Thanks be to God. In Christ Jesus. Okay, that's what he's talking about. So there are lots of goats in our life which is pushing us towards Christ. The thing is that initially people don't. They go the other way. They run in the opposite direction. They run in the opposite direction. The thing is that God in his kindness and mercy journeys with us when we are going in the opposite. So the simple, interesting thing is, here is he going from Jerusalem to Syria on the Damascus road with letters to arrest Christ's people and Christ is journeying with him. Wow. And on the road he stops. We arrest him. <laughs> he stops. This is poet, I forgot, who talks about the hound of heaven. Yeah. Yeah, John John Milton. John yeah, Milton. the hound of heaven who pursues you. Mm-hmm. It's a different hound. Usually, mm. it's a different hound pursuing you, your life. You know, that is what we call predestination. Whom he has chosen before the foundation of the world. Okay, he chose us, and those ones he pursues. The Lord, is that fair? No. It is fair because he knows who will choose him. In these permutation combinations we have of our free will and he creates each one we are born. He knows who will choose him and who will not choose him. And that he knew before the beginning. Pardon? Francis, Francis Thompson. Yeah, the hound of it is not uh, John Milton, Francis Thompson, mm. the hound of heaven. Okay. So that pursues you. And that's why we will even thank God for predestination. That's why God says, I will show mercy on you. To whom I am sure. Compassion. He says, you will not understand these things. And I'll harden so don't question them. these things. You will not understand these things. Oh boy. Even free will is within the boundaries of God's will. Amen. Only one who is free is God. <laughs> God says, you want to be free? Be like me. That's what I'm inviting. Salvation is an invited to become like, like God me. so that we can be, be free. Truly free, yes. Truly free. Okay. Whom the sun sets free, free is, is free, free indeed. indeed. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 But how does the sun set you free? He leads you to the truth. Then you it receive the you. truth. Mm. Every time the truth. Truth is what is goading you. Mm. Truth is goading you. This is what you have done. Because then what is he's trying to hide that picture and the sound of that cry of cry and the picture of Saul of Stephen what shocked him was Stephen's final words kneeling on his sins and forgiving him and he's realizing that I have been forgiven by this guy and I have never been able to forgive people who have offended me under the law I always was looking for justice Mm. and even now under the law he's looking for vengeance but that voice is ringing father do not lay this on that's what turned one leaf. He was losing at Jesus. Father, forgive them. He's shocked. That's what turns him around and says, Lord, and the centurion, this is truly a son of God. Okay. Because they realize, you know, in your experience of religion, whatever religion has its own law, you have never encountered anything like that. Bah. 
Okay, what is going to change man? Mm. It's the mercy of God. And they're seeing mercy being exhibited and they are stunned under that. Okay, because see, religion or the law does not show that face of God, the mercy of God. It shows the justice and we all are very, we all want justice, justice, justice. Everybody is out on the street for justice, justice, justice. But nobody goes on the street saying, mercy, mercy, mercy. mercy, mercy. Yeah. But when you are in a court, what you want is mercy. If you are guilty, nobody is asking for justice. And he says, you don't know the holiness of God. Hmm. If you know the holiness of God, the cry on earth will be always mercy, 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 and never justice. So when Jesus, the only one who knows God, because he's come from the bosom of God, when he's raised up on the cross, his first cry is for mercy. His father, have mercy on them. Forgive them for their Please, father, they don't know what they are doing. They are ignorant. They don't know what they are doing. Have mercy on them. Mercy on them. Okay, and that's how it works. That's how it works. These are the goats that kiss, kick us and bring hmm. us to Christ. Wow. Pastor, we'll have to look at one more question. This is question number five. Um, one thing I want to make it very clear. When we forgive or show mercy, first is in our heart. And wait for the opportunity. You don't have to run around and look for it. Okay? You don't have to. In your heart, between God, you choose to forgive. If you have done some harm to somebody else, you go for forgiveness. Yes. If somebody has done, you don't go and tell them, I have forgiven you. Don't do that. Because they will say, I don't care about your mm -hmm. forgiveness. But you are trying to relate. But what I'm talking about mercy is that you have to choose to live by mercy. For your own sake. Yep. Imagine, imagine the situation. Jesus' prayer, first saying on the cross is different. Father, never forgive them. You know what they have done. Even if it's ignorantly. They had some kind of common sense. They didn't have to do it. They've forgotten all my blessings. What all I did. He didn't say that. Then he would be tormented. He would be tormented. You know, there's only one way to get out of it. It is that doorway of mercy. So God says, live by it. Why? Because I show you mercy. That's the reason. So that's why if you look at the blessings on the on the Sermon on the Mount... It's only one blessing where it is conditional. Blessed, Blessed are the poor yes. in the spirit. There is mm -hmm. the kingdom of God. But when it comes to mercy, Blessed the fourth one, if I'm right, he says, Blessed are the merciful, merciful for they, for they shall, shall obtain mercy. So mercy you have to obtain. Lord, I want mercy every day, but I will not show mercy. Said, well, what kind of logic is that? Mm. That doesn't work. That's what happened to that sermon. So what happened? Was he forgiven? Yes. By the by, but after that, what is he experiencing? The joy of salvation? No, no. he's tormented now. Because he refused to forgive, he's tormented. Mm -hmm. So whatever people may have done to you, because a lot of people who listen have gone through unbelievable torment and torture in their own lives. God is in no way condoning what happened to you. So don't get it wrong. Mm. Evil is evil. Bad is bad. He's not condoning. But he says, in the light of what God has done for us in Christ, just forgive them. Show mercy. If you don't, what will happen is, one, you will be tormented. Two, when you pray and when you do things, you will have hallucinations. Basically, you hear from the wrong side. Oh boy. 
there's one thing you have to be very, very careful about your prayer life. A prayer life without mercy will hear from the devil and not from God. Mark 11, 24 and 25. Yes, you when you stand to up to pray, forgive. Very, very careful. Mm. He will fool you and he will give you visions and give you promises and all kind of things. But you haven't even crossed the mercy gate mm. to enter into God's presence. That's why God says, when you pray, remember too in the church, which a man hit says, men should raise up holy, holy hands hand without, without, without wrath. Anger is a response of not being merciful. Okay, otherwise, sun has gone. There's an issue, of course, you were upset. You didn't allow the sun to go down it. You ended it up with mercy. You pray, it's fine. But you have not. It's dangerous. Amen. Amen, man. These things we have to understand. Sir, how the kingdom of God works? Yes, Pastor. Pastor, one more question we have to take. This is concerning uh, the body of Christ. Uh, this is question number five. Yeah. On the practical side, what constitutes, constitutes me a member of the body? If the Lord gives me a revelation concerning the body, what will be the effect on me? Is it simply that I have been something, that I have seen something that I have never seen before? Or is it that revelation, is it that revelation going to be revolutionary? Um, maybe you should decode this question. Okay. On the practical side, what constitutes me a member? First, when you become, when you are saved, you become, your salvation comes in, you are saved. What happens is, you become, that's why the illustration is used as the church as the body, body. of Christ. Amen. You become a part of a body. This hmm. is a spiritual body worldwide in space and in time. time. Okay, from the time Jesus breathed upon his apostles in the upper room, that's when the church actually started. On Pentecost, 10 days, 40 days, 50 days later, the church is empowered. People think church began on the day of Pentecost. No, no the church began in the upper room with 11 people, and then the 12th one came, and then more were there. But the church was empowered by the Holy Spirit to start has his governing body on earth. The church is God's governing body on earth. It does not govern in the way the world authorities govern, that God is given it to them. We govern the spiritually. That is why we have been given power in the spiritual realm. What you bind in heaven shall be bound on earth, what you release in heaven. So we, even though we see these governments functioning, on God's eyes, the governing entity is the church. Church governs God's kingdom on earth and they do it by prayer and they do it by preaching and they do it by proclamations. And the enemy side also, that's why in the enemy side they always have a parallel sorcery. It's hidden. Enemy side, the governments, yeah. all the governments uh -huh. over there, uh -huh. the political structures, the business structure, all the structures behind that, they uh -huh. have to resort to sources. Because oh, okay, okay. uh -huh. without power, you cannot Cannot rule. Produce, you uh -huh. cannot rule. Mm -hmm. So here also, the church cannot rule. The church has have practically no effect. Is that because they have no power? Mm. They are not. They have no power. But if you have power, you can change, bring change on earth. That is how it works. Behold, I give you power. Is that don't leave Jerusalem unless you have power? And within a question of few years, the testimony had gone. These are the people who have turned the world upside down. Mm. It is that they are walking in power. So that's how. So when you are saved, you become a part of the body of Christ. Once you understand who you are, so much of the confusion within the body is people do not seek to know what am I in your body. Once you know what you are in your body, what happens is it is revolutionary for you. That's what that revelation is revolutionary. 
Okay, what happens is, you know, what happens is, you know what, this is fundamental. Because once you know what you are, then your whole life is defined around it. This is what God wants me to do once I found. This is what he has called me to. This is what he has called me to do, to be this. And then you say preaching. But preaching is only a general thing. What do I have to preach? What do I have in my calling? What am, am I an evangelist? And he said, you're not an evangelist. You're not an evangelist. That's why I don't do evangelism. But I can train evangelists very well, but I don't evangelize. Mm. Because he said, that's not what I called you to. That's why I don't do crusades. Mm. But I have done teaching part along with crusades. The evangelist does the crusade in the evening and I have done the pastor's meet in the morning. So three-day crusades in big grounds. The morning is for the pastors and I teach the pastors of the town. And then the evening they hold the crusade. Am I there at the crusade with the evangelists? Yes. I'm on the stage with them. But I don't do the crusade part because I know very well, yes, I'm called to preach, but I also has been narrowed down. This is what I am, what I am called to do. So what happens is it revolutionizes your life. Revolutionizes you. You know this is what I am called to do. Mm. A lot of people get saved, but they never seek to know from God, what am I to be? What am I to be? Because there are, it's, it's also based on your gifts. Based on your kingdom gifts, I'm talking about. People only look at Revel, um, Corinthians 12, but they don't look at okay. Romans 12. Romans 12, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, Corinthians 12. Okay, like there are many gifts, and one of the most uh, prominent gift is a, called the gift of helps mm. in Corinthians 12. So different gifts are there, and once you understand this is what I am in the kingdom of God, then Lord. I want to be the best in this. Best in this. So this is what we call our backgrounding and foregrounding. Oh, you foreground that thing and you prepare to be the best on it. And you ask for an impartation in that area. <laughs> because yes, you have knowledge. Yes, you have, you want to put it up? Yeah, that's all, yeah. That's all. You, want, you have knowledge, you have wisdom, but you also need an anointing. The anointings are not the same. The anointing son of the people wanted a king. And they shouted for a king. God said, they have rejected me. They are not ready to solve Samuel. Don't get upset. And he showed a man who was head and shoulders, meek and all. And he anointed him. But he was not anointed with power. Mm. He was not anointed with power. He was picked before his time. He was never trained in the kingdom of God. His, this, he was never proved. He was anointed. He immediately went to battle. He started winning and then he blew his own trumpet and his downfall began and he ended up before a witch and he died in battle or killed himself. That's another young man. But when he's anointed, he's anointed from the horn. He's anointed with power. Now he's going to be tested. First thing is that the anointing that you have received can you win over yourself? Mm. Not over God's enemies. Exactly. Will you put self or preservation of self first or will you be understand? And his testimony is that a bear came. Okay, I didn't put myself first. I put that little lamb first. Mm -hmm. A lion came. I didn't put myself first. I put the lamb first. And God was watching. That's why he says, I took him from the sheep holes. Mm. I was watching. How he, yes. he has an anointing. The question is, how are you going to work out your anointing? And from there to Goliath, and from there onwards. So you will see that he finished well, he ran well, because God put him through the ringer first. Saul never went through that. Saul never went through that. So when you become a part of God's body, you need to understand how these principles work, process works. Because you see, 
we are like I, I think I said it last week. I said no. To put oil, it must have taken five minutes of twenty-four hours. He come, opens the flask, puts the system, and goes. Right? Impartation. It just takes five minutes. Preparation yeah. takes years. Yeah. What happens with people is that they are not willing to go for that preparation. Mm. They want the impartation. It's a very dangerous thing to be imparted without preparation. That is Saul and that is Samson. Mm. Where they did they receive an impartation? Yes. yes. Did they prepare? No. no. So what you are going through now, you should never fight those things. Yes. Thank you, Lord. I know. When my time comes, mm. I will be brought out into the open. Yes. Though he is being prepared and the anointing is working and all. Jesus, God did not um, project David to the front. Yes. Time hasn't come. When I, I will come. Mm. When is it? When Goliath comes. It looks like an accident, but it was ordained by God. Yeah. This guy has been up there for 40 days, morning and evening, morning and evening, morning and evening. Then on the 40th day, David comes. When he comes, he sees differently. He's prepared. He's ready. He says, who is this man? In the same way, John was in the wilderness for 30 years before he was revealed. Why was he not revealed? Because he's the most important prophet of the Old Testament. Yes. He's not ready. Mm. In his 29th year, he's not ready. 28th year, he's mm. not ready. Even Jesus is not ready till 30. Mm. Because the most important work anybody has done, Jesus is going to mm. do. So he cannot even fail for one second of one day. Mm -hmm. So when he was found perfect in his obedience, then God revealed him. Mm. God revealed him. Till then he cannot reveal. And when he is revealed, he is revealed through this other man who took 30 years for him to be able to reveal Jesus. You, we need to understand Jesus' ministry. Sorry, John's ministry. John's ministry was not so much preaching. It was not about baptizing. His entire ministry is going to be a failure if he fails in one thing. The one on whom the Spirit lands when I am baptizing you, that is the one you have to point to. You miss that and you are successful in everything else. You are a failure. <laughs> so when he was baptizing, heavens opened, the dove came, he heard a voice and said, Behold the Lamb of God. That's it. done. He's successful. Now he can retire. Mm -hmm. He can retire. You need to realize everybody has a peak like that. Noah had a peak. He came through the flood. After that, what happens really doesn't matter. He has finished his ministry. When Isaac is tied on the altar and the knife is lifted, Abraham is complete. His righteousness has been made perfect. Right. Yes. After that, we see him going sliding down. But it doesn't matter. He's fulfilled his purpose in his lifetime. So we have to see. So this is the thing. We, 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 we have to be very careful about this thing. There is years of preparation God may use. I mean, he prepared his son for 30 years for a three and a half years ministry. And he prepared John for 30 years for one moment. One moment. One moment to reveal Jesus to the world. Man. But we may say, but you need to understand something which is very interesting. Okay? When because, see, these are like what we call in the spiritual realm, like in the physical, like let's say it is love, it is raining, and then when this lightning takes place, right? Yeah. From skyline to skyline, the whole thing. These are spiritual lightning bolts which nobody sees. <laughs> Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And two disciples followed That's him. That's it. Yeah. I mean, we say, what? following of these two disciples is going to start a chain of movement that is going to turn this whole world upside down. Mm -hmm. And you will say, this is all your life is about. This is the man. Two people follow. Your work is over. 
But that is where it begins. Mm. And what you see is the church in every continent, every country, every city, the church is there. You know why? Because one man pointed, John have become the one pointed mm. and two disciples mm. followed. That's and then mm. one went and brought Peter and That's before it. you know, it starts. Mm. That is why it says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. So that's how we have to see. Okay. So each one only has to fulfill his own. We are running our race. We are not in competition. Actually, we go into competition, we miss our race mm-hmm. because you cannot ch- cross the track. And we are all running and we are all complementing and helping each other. When competition comes, it goes out. It becomes a mess. But you have to know. So when you know what you are, that's a revelation for you. It may mean nothing to others. Mm. It may mean nothing to others. But it means everything to you because you have found, you Your know purpose. what, I have found my slot. I found what I'm supposed to do. And then you know it, you're content with it. And let God give you the increase. You're content. This is what increases in God's hands. How he wants to increase, where he wants to increase, you can desire for increase. But the desire should not become an obsession. Mm. Then now you have forgotten your ministry. Your motivation is increase. Okay, You're in the same direction but the heart has changed. Because now you're looking, I want to increase like that, I want to increase, he's increasing this. No, God says, no, I will increase you. Mm. Wait. I will wait. So you have to be very, very careful. This is all part of stewardship. All part of stewardship. You know, because that is what these people who were commended were faithful in little things. The question you need to ask is, what were those little things? What, What were they were asked to do on earth? Little things. Right? The women who followed Jesus, we don't even know their names unless we go through. I mean, look at those names. The Luke chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. You are just look at them. Luke 8, 1 and 2. And. Okay. This was there first. Yeah. 2, verse 2. 1, 2, and 3. Luke 8, 1, 2, 3. Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stewart, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. So these are the ones who are supporting his ministry. (laughs) Think about it. Now do we know these people? But if they are in there, they found their slot. (laughs) They found their slot. What did they find? I like the, I mean, I'll just read uh, the NIV NIV version also, okay? Yeah, that's fine. And many others. It's written, yeah, it's there, there. many others. And many others who provided, provided for them by helping to support them out of their own means. So you should see, these are the unseen set of people, okay? There is Jesus and 12 people. And there is this whole set of unseen faces who are helping the ministry to function. Okay, now if you look at those names, we don't know much about Joanna. Mm. We only know about Mary Magdalene. Mm. We know about Mary Magdalene. So you will see how did she begin? She began, she got delivered of demon possession. She followed Jesus. She was helping with whatever she had. So we talk about her breaking the alabaster oil. Oh no, that was Mary in Bethany. 
right but yeah. she's the one saying maybe she was the one who yeah. uh, broke broke the yellow star in john's gospel chapter 13 yeah but that is in bethany right we there is always a confusion yeah, between yeah. these two marys yeah, yeah, we have one. brought them together because it looks like they were the same but mary of bethany and mary of magdala are the same we are still not sure okay if they have two people when we reach to heaven we'll have double blessing mm, but if there are one it is double portion on the same person yes, okay yes. but here is a person if you but she is the one who is one who refused to leave the tomb who waited tomb jesus so where did she begin where did she end think this is her beginning she was delivered out of seven demons right and she's so grateful and whatever she has she is supporting his ministry that's how she begins okay and then where does she end she is the one to whom jesus reveals himself first after resurrection Okay, so this is what we are talking about. We have to see these things in the spiritual realm. The minute competition comes, it is gone. Because sometimes we just have to wait. It's, some, it's very good to do what you are called to do and do it quietly and wait for God to reveal you. The problem is when God reveals you, you are ready to be revealed. When you reveal yourself, you are starting your way for destruction. Because Saul revealed himself by blowing the trumpet. That's it. and the philistines okay. gathered <laughs> philistines gathered you know how david was revealed god gathered the philistines mm. and saul revealed himself the philistines gathered and the people scattered but god gathered the philistines and god gathered the israelites and then he revealed his boy so both sides saw the philistines saw this is man's god the israelites saw this is god's servant he was a young boy but that's the difference that was the difference when god revealed when god revealed joseph you know he revealed 30 years he had to wait 13 years for it was a time of preparation so we have to understand the principles of preparation how does god prepare a person we learn from these people and we prepare ourselves prepare ourselves prepare ourselves because the revelation is in one day 30 years later suddenly sees a man who takes the sins of this world okay who are you that am i a dog that you come against me and he's revealing himself you come against me with spear the next thing you go to goliath is done his head is cut off he is revealed okay next suddenly pharaoh is not able to sleep he's troubled oh i remember a man he's a hebrew boy he is brought out and he's revealed revelation takes only one day it's only one day preparation for that takes years and the second thing is after you are revealed can you handle the pressure that's a different pressure altogether can you handle the pressure mm-hmm. one the pressure of publicity and the second the pressure of attacks now against you the pressure of now you have been revealed can you handle now joseph has to handle the pressure the pressure of seven years of prosperity and the famine that follows can you handle that pressure david has to handle the pressure the pressure of the king against him out for your life but you need to realize you are anointed so you can react only one way which is correct and every other way is wrong he is under pressure now now what you have been revealed now lot of people once they have been revealed they fall because they cannot handle you see all around the world sports star entertainment star why do they all fall apart because they couldn't handle the pressure they couldn't handle the pressure they just fall apart under the pressure So God is saying, "I will prepare you. I will reveal you at your time. But even after that, it's a different passion. Now that you are revealed, what has happened? 
expectations come. Mm. People are expecting. Every time you step into the pulpit, they expect you to perform. So he says, the pressure is going to be intense. And the simple thing is that, hide under me. So every time you go on to the public, he reveals you. He reveals you. Because expectations will never change. Once Jesus steps in, the first miracle, expectations begin. First sermon, expectations begin. Okay, that's how you put it. Okay, every time now they are coming to hear, they are going to hear, oh, today he was flat. No, expectations are there. And we have to keep expectations. Because you know, why are they expecting? Because he went revealed. Because God revealed you. God revealed you. So you need to realize whatever, you know, like Richie does the camera, Sammy does this thing. Now that once you have started it, every Sunday there are expectations from us. Okay. We don't ask somebody, Sammy, sound is not there. We only say, Sammy, why? We expect you to do that. There are expectations. Because now what? On these things, three years back it was different, but three years later it has changed now. Expectations have risen. Expectations come from all around the world. Earlier it was easy. Worship was very easy. Because why? We worshipped and the message was put on the internet and we had 15,000 people listening podcasts and all. Then we went on YouTube. Once when in YouTube, the pressure is intense on the worship team. To keep telling them it's intense. Why? Because you are flat. Suddenly I get to hear from all around the world. Worship was flat today. Worship was flat today. What has happened? Expectations. Why? You have been revealed. Till then you were not revealed because on our webpage the worship was never revealed. Only the sermon was there. Sermon. But it's a different kind of expectation pressure on our people because you are revealed without you seeing them. Hmm. You see. I'm telling you, if our church were to be a mega church, okay, spiritually we are a mega church. Physically we are a small church. But physically we are a mega church with like 5,000 people gathering. This worship team would react in a different way. Because that crowd itself will make them to move in a different way. But the challenge for them is to react in such a way that God and 50,000 people are watching every day. That demand demands a different level of faith. Mm. For that, you have to be a worshiper, where you worship God in private, so that every time you come there, you are able to see. You know what, Lord, your saints are gathered, and I'm accountable for this. This is what you expect from me, and I have been revealed. I have been revealed. These are expectations. Okay, so this is all pressure. This is all pressure. Okay, and Sami may be sitting, I mean, you may be working on a computer and doing some projects on your own when you are studying and all. And then you get a job into Infosys or one of these companies, suddenly expectation goes. You become team leader. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Expectation increase, right? The constable sitting over here, after his beat is over, he goes home. You see the... Is Police he, commissioner sitting hmm? in Cyberabad, he doesn't go home. 24 over 7 is on the job. Even if he goes home, he's still on his work. Yes. Because the calls are coming on. 24 7 mm-hmm. is coming on. He's on this thing, this issue over, this issue is going on. What happened? You were revealed. You were revealed. Mm-hmm. Do we know the names of the constables? No. Oh. But no, we don't know. Do we know the, the name of the two commissioners? Yes, C.V. Anand and Brother Stephen Ravindra. Two commissioners, we know them. Right? 
Why do we know them? Because they have been revealed. Mm-hmm. Do you think their life is easy? No, no it's not easy. It is not easy. It's very difficult. But we have to. That's why God says, when I reveal you, I will have built that in you to handle that pressure. Because you know, once you have revealed, you have to handle that pressure every day. Jesus had to handle that pressure every, every day. day, morning till evening, 365 days a year, he mm. had to handle it. So, how did he handle it? He went into the mountain or he went into a deserted place and, and prayed. prayed. Mm. And he received, he came under that covering, he humbled himself, Lord, you reveal me, I'm not revealing myself. Mm. And he came under that anointing and he could handle it. Could handle. That's the only way you can handle it. But the pressure of the crowd, that is why John 6, 15, if I'm right, the pressure is in. They forced him to become king. <laughs> John 6, 15. <laughs> okay, John 6, 15. Yeah. And therefore, when Jesus <laughs> perceived that they were about to come and make him by force to make him king. Mm. It's a crowd pressure. Mm. They have heard him preach. They have heard him deliver. They have heard him heal. Now he has fed them. I mean, what kind of a king? Mm. You can't get a king like this. <laughs> this is the kind of king you want. Oh, okay? This is the kind of king you want. So by under pressure, they want him to make him king. You know what he did? First thing, he separated and sent the disciples mm. across in a boat mm. onto the other side. Because mm-hmm. they can't handle this pressure. <laughs> handle this pressure. <laughs> he sent them onto the other side. He himself is under pressure. Mm-hmm. So what does he do? He goes up the mountain to mm. pray. And when he comes down, there's no pressure. It's so light mm. when he comes down that he walks on water. Mm. <laughs> That's what it actually means. He's so light he's able to walk on No pressure at all. Absolutely. Because we have to handle this pressure. Mm. Fame is a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. People, More people have been destroyed by fame. You look into the history of mankind. Fame has destroyed them. Mm. And one man who was not destroyed by fame is Jesus. Not even Paul. That's why Paul got beaten every place because God was trying to keep him humble. And to the point God says, you know, I'm going to give you an affliction that will never go in your life because you know what? They know you. They know you. Heaven knows you. Demons know you. Kings know you. People know you that you are dangerous, that you can stand on your own and face the forces of hell and it will get into your head. So you know what I'm going to do? You will stumble all your life. Otherwise, it will destroy you. <laughs> it will destroy you. Oh, wow. Okay, you need to realize. That was a one-man army. Yep. All was a one-man yeah, army. Absolutely. One mm. See, we talk about his companions, but his companions, he had to carry them most of the time. Okay, He was a one-man army. God used to turn the world upside down. I can imagine getting into his head. Mm. Getting into his head. No, So, this is, these are things which we need to understand. So, once you have that revelation of who you are in Christ Jesus... Receive it with all humility. Don't reject it. Oh, I am not worthy. God says, I, I know you are not worthy. That's why I gave it to you. <laughs> if you are worthy, I wouldn't have given it to you. Mm. you know, don't be falsely <laughs> human. Receive it and play your part. Mm. Okay. And when your part is over, like mm. John say, now I have to decrease and mm. he has to increase. Thank you, Lord. I am good with it. Mm. Your reward will be the one as the greatest. Don't worry. You just have to be faithful to what you have mm. called. You have to be called. Your reward on that side doesn't change. Whether you got 5 into 10 or 2 into 4, mm-hmm. your reward is the same. same. You're given to you according to your, your ability. ability. This ability thing is there in that parable in Matthew 25 and also Luke in, 19. Luke, uh, sorry, in, uh, in Romans 12. 
according to the proportion of okay. your faith. Yes. Don't do things for which you don't have the faith. Mm. You should know your faith level. Prophesy according to the measure of, of, of your measure. faith. Of Everything faith. according to the measure mm. of faith. Prophesy so the simple thing, you want to increase? Increase your faith. Grow mm. in your most holy faith. Lord, I want to be like that. But just grow. Mm-hmm. Because you can only do According, According to the proportion of, of your faith, faith. Yes. your faith is this small and you want to do works this big, it's not going to happen. Because your faith is not that you cannot do, but you haven't grown. So simply prepare. So when David is revealed before Israel, he has grown in his faith. Hmm. He's grown in his faith. He's ready to be revealed. And he's ready to the way I think about it. He's eight foot, nine feet tall, giant with Twelve digits. Twelve digits. How would you face something like that? How can you face challenges like that? Because Goliath is a spiritual picture of the challenges we have to face if you step out into God's calling. Can you handle it? Can you handle it? And nobody will come with you. There's no armor bearer because you don't even have an armor. There's nobody. Nobody is coming with you. They will say, God bless you, we'll pray for you, but you go alone. Mm-hmm. Will you go? Can you face that challenge? And there's something that is written which people miss in that encounter. Goliath came towards David and David ran, ran towards Goliath. Yeah. He yeah. didn't he wasn't afraid at all. He ran towards, mm-hmm. towards Goliath. And God. Uh, mm-hmm. Confidence. And also he knew what he was doing. You need to they're all spiritual pictures. Mm-hmm. You need to know who you are. You need to know what you have. You're not fighting with him with a sword or a spear. You're going with something which you are very comfortable with, which is a sling. And you know very well the distance you need. Mm. Distance you need. Mm. So he is, he's, like today's language, he's One moving nine. into gun range. Because uh-huh. if you're using a gun, you need to know the gun range. How far will this bullet travel? Mm. So if it will travel only one kilometer and you're standing two kilometers away, you're not going to hit anything. So you need to know. So all these things is factored and it didn't happen in one day. It didn't. So he was preparing himself. He was preparing himself. He was preparing. That's why if you enter into my office, when you open the door, what hangs over there is a sling. Because I began like David with a sling. You never saw the sling there? Oh, there's a sling there. <laughs> I grew up as a child. I can take a head of a snake if I practice for one week. I can take a head of a snake with a sling. That's what you practice in the condition. You, you catapult, okay, okay. Yeah, catapult. Okay, yeah. Okay. That's mm-hmm. a, a sling, basically. Yeah, that's the same mm-hmm. thing. You can take it off. Okay, and you cannot be a safe distance. You don't have to go near that fellow where he takes your head off with his sword. You can take his head off, head off from 50 feet away. Okay, so these are all pictures you have been given to. You need to know when you need to be close to your enemy. When does he get close to his enemy? After he is down. If he had been a foolish boy and ran near to David, Goliath would have taken his head off. So he brings Goliath down and then takes his sword and takes his head off. So a lot of things are factored over in here because these are all years of preparation. Years of preparation. But that's not what he did with the lion and the bear. He went after them. He went close, caught him by the mane and hit him with the rod and took the lamb off. So this is a man, young man who has been trained. But if he had tried that same thing with Goliath, he would have died. He'll go close to Goliath. But Goliath is not a lion. He's not a bear. 
He's a he trained soldier. He's a trained soldier. He knows how to use his short mm. sword and his spear. Before you get close to him, he will pin you down with his javelin. Mm. Because you're coming against me with the sword, the spear, the, and the javelin. javelin. Okay, so you have to understand. He didn't fight the bear or the lion or the Goliath in the same way. Okay, so if you're called into those things, you need to have the revelation according to it, how to fight. But you're not dependent upon your strength at all. I come against you in the name of Jehovah Shabbos. Very clear about who. Oh, coming you in the name of God of peace. No, the God of hosts. The God of hosts. I have peace with God. <laughs> I have absolute peace with God. And now the one who is coming with me is the God of hosts, the commander of the Lord's army. Right. Okay. Once Joshua has crossed River Jordan, everybody has been circumcised, the reproach has been rolled away, they have peace with God, peace with one another, the Lord of hosts comes. The Lord of hosts comes. Are you for us or against us? No, neither. You choose. Okay, that's how it comes. Okay, you don't try to go into battle before you have peace. You need peace with God. Before the God of war comes with you. Okay. Saul had no peace with God. So he hasn't, he's not able to fight. He's sitting there, 600 men under a tree, sword in his sheath. And one man has peace with God. And he says, how long can we sit like this? Let us go. Jonathan. These are principles. These are all revelations you receive as you are in your ministry. Whatever God has called you, that's your ministry. And then... Let God give the increase. But there is increase. Amen. There is increase. Please understand. There is something called increase in the kingdom. Mm. But it comes as we follow God's principles. Otherwise, you'll be like those ten brothers. They ended the way they started. What they were there, shepherds, wandering around. Finally, what they were in Egypt, shepherds, wandering, shepherds around. wandering around, living in fear. Father is dead, still coming and says, please don't do anything to us. What is the point? Are they saved? Yes. Are they brothers of Joseph? Yes. Are they up to anything? Nothing. Don't end up like that. But one man was prepared and he increased. So we'll call it a day, Pastor Vijay. Yes, Pastor. We'll call it a day. And Pastor Vijay, close in prayer. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you once again for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us your ways, showing us your paths. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us, O Lord, that there is a preparation before we are revealed. And whenever we are revealed, there is an expectation. And I pray, Father, that each one of us will find our purpose in your body. And Lord, that we will be the best that we can be in whatever you have called us to be. To that end, I pray that you would anoint us, that you would gift us, that you would give, give us the interest and the inclination to be people who will work hard in the calling that you have given to us, O Lord. And Lord, that we will be found faithful. And even as we are faithful, O Lord, you would give the increase in your time. Therefore, I pray, Lord Jesus, that each and every one of us will continue, O Lord, steadfast and persevere in the calling that you have given to us. Thank you, Father, once again for this day. And Lord, even as we come to the end of the day and Lord, even as we prepare ourselves for tomorrow, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to minister to us through the night. Prepare us, O Lord, to be found in your house on time. And I pray, Father, that through every ministry that takes place, O Lord, that you would continue to equip us and prepare us for the days ahead and most importantly for your coming. 
We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 So see you all tomorrow morning online. God bless you.